Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Our sponsors for today's episode are Solid Rock Christian Academy and Chick-fil-A East Peoria. Check out solidrockchristianacademy.org for their alternative schooling option with a solid biblical view. And visit cfaeastpeoria.com for available employment opportunities or to place your catering order. Sandra Stanley is my guest today, and she and her husband, Andy, have successfully launched three grown children. As they were raising their children, Andy was also creating and expanding North Point Ministries, where he is still the lead pastor. Together, they have written an incredible resource entitled Parenting, Getting It Right. And we're about to find out what it is and get a little bit of a glimpse into their parenting wisdom. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Sandra. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I've been looking forward to it. Well, I'd love to just start here. Will you tell us a bit more about your current phase of life? Sure, sure. Let's see. We're in the empty nester season, which is awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, Andy and I have been married 34 years, and we have three adult children. Everybody's married. We had our last wedding in September, so everybody's married. Andrew is our oldest. He's 30, and he's married to Anna, and they're the ones that just got married in September. And then Garrett, our middle son, is 28. He's married to Danielle, and Allie, our daughter, is 26, and she's married to Clay, and they just gave us our first grandbaby. So we could actually spend the whole time just talking about my new little three-week-old grandbaby, but... um, I don't know. That might get boring for somebody, <laughs> but not for me. <laughs> well, congratulations. What awesome news. Yeah, super fun. Well, then if we back it up even further, going back to your family of origin, faith was a big part, it sounds like. So can you even share how you initially met Jesus? Yes, yes. So I grew up in a home with two parents who loved the Lord. So thankful for that. The older I get, the more I realize just what an extraordinary gift that is to have that that heritage. But I mean, I've heard the gospel my whole life. And probably when I was about eight years old, I have this vivid memory of our pastor. Uh, I grew up in a Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, and our pastor came over. And I remember sitting with my mom in the living room and our pastor. And I remember the yellow sofa we were sitting on. So it's one of those moments that kind of gets burned into your mind. And just having that conversation with him, letting him know that I was ready to receive Jesus as my Savior. And of course, we talked through all of that so he could make sure I really understood what the decision I was making. And so he prayed with me right there on the yellow sofa, and that began my journey with Jesus. And I, you know, I just I wasn't one of those kids that had crazy, rebellious seasons of life. I remember probably my sophomore year of college, I was involved in a Monday night Bible study on campus at Georgia Tech. And I was walking back to my dorm 
And I just had one of those defining faith moments. And I just felt like God was saying, hey, I'm ready for you to hand everything to me. And I just remember thinking, God, I understand that there is no true joy and happiness in life outside of your will. And I'm just ready to sort of hand it all over and and did that when I was, you know, probably 19 years old and just began a journey with Jesus from there and never meant to marry a pastor. That was not my goal, but then met Andy my junior year of college and he had to wait for me to graduate. He's about eight years older than me, which was actually kind of weird. You know, eight years is nothing now in this season, but when you're barely 20 years old, he was like a man with a job, you know, and <laughs> that seemed really old at the time, but clearly God had plans for us and we got married as soon as I graduated. So now been married 34 years. I love hearing that, especially the part about receiving faith as a child. I think that's been a prayer for our own daughters, that if they do choose to become Jesus followers at a young age and make that personal commitment, that they would remember that, that the Lord would, in mm. his grace, let them remember that moment. So I love hearing about your yellow couch experience. Yeah, I know. Yellow floral couch in our living room. It's kind of funny. Yep. Will you share the story then of how you and Andy arrived at your overall vision and goal for parenting? Yeah. So we waited about four years before having kids. And when Andrew, our oldest, was a baby, we were driving to Hilton Head Island. My parents, every year, Memorial Day week, rent a house on the beach for my whole family to come. And we were we had the first grandbaby in the family. So it was a smaller group of us back then. But we were driving, just the three of us in our car, to meet the whole family in Hilton Head. And we just, you know, we just started talking about the fact that, okay, now we got this little kid in the back seat. We should probably talk about some parenting goals, you know? So we sort of laugh and sort of started laughing and realized neither one of us are concrete goal setters, but we did want to have a little bit of vision for our parenting journey. And so one of the things that Andy said that was just kind of, again, a defining moment for us as it related to our parenting, he said, Sandra, I want us to have a family like your family. Like when we, when our kids are grown and gone, they still want to be with us and with each other when they don't have to be anymore. And I didn't even understand really what he was saying, because that was just the normal for my family. My sister and brother and I wanted to be together. We, you know, wanted to be with our family. We just, we wouldn't have missed our vacation week altogether for anything if we could help it. And so that was just unique to Andy. He had done youth ministry for a whole bunch of years and I had done youth ministry with him too, but that was just unique. And he said, that's what I want our family to look like. And so when we started thinking about this book, you know, we're at this season with our kids and we, Andy and I are always so quick to say we were not perfect parents and we did not have perfect kids and we still don't have perfect kids and we're still not perfect parents. But we learned some things along the way. And in that moment, when we decided we wanted to have kids who wanted to come home and wanted to be with us, even when they didn't have to be, we decided that's our bullseye on the target as it relates to our parenting. And so when we decided to write this book, we titled it Parenting, Getting It Right. And 
on the surface, that sounds a little arrogant, like, oh, Indy and Sandra think they have all the answers, you know, and, and they can tell us how to get it right. And that's not at all the intention of the book. The intention of the book is to identify your it. And we decided early on our it is parenting toward a relationship, the relationship with our kids, a future relationship that's healthy, that means we all want to be together, even when we don't have to be. That was our bullseye. That's our it. And so we decided to take on the kind of scary journey of writing a parenting book. So, you know, because I think people assume when you write a parenting book that you think you have all the answers and that you parented perfectly and all of that, which could not be further from the truth. Well, and your humility just echoes throughout even I think it's the end of your intro where you're talking about just the disclaimer, we're not going to fill your parenting cup, but we're about to empty ours. Here we go. Yes, that's right. We feel like we learned a few things along the way. Most people in our season of life and parenting have learned some lessons the hard way, the easy way, by watching other people, all the different ways that you learn stuff. And so, yeah, so we just wanted to take our cup and empty it and see if that could help some other people. Which is so great. One of the ways that you passed on what you had learned because you said Andy was in youth ministry. And so the two of you had this amazing gift of being able to witness other families and see the longevity of their children. So I feel like the wisdom launched you into not just being first time parents with Andrew, but having years of experience as you came into parenthood. And now even in this book, I feel like you're passing on the same gift to us. Yes. In that season, we, you know, being in youth ministry, student ministry is such an advantage because we could look around at the families that we thought, man, they are getting it right. And so we basically stalked and harassed those people until (laughs) until they would have dinner with us and tell us everything they had learned. So Andy and I are both highly motivated by information. Both of us are. And so we really went after people who we felt like had the kinds of relationships with their kids that we wanted to someday have with ours. And again, we kind of stalked and harassed until they agreed to to meet with us. That's so good. <laughs> totally recommend it. Stalk and harass. Stalk. <laughs> That's our takeaway. <laughs> right, right. Well, in your book, you emphasize parenting with the relationship in mind. So can you just elaborate what does that mean? And how can that inform every decision we make as a parent? Yeah. So because we had decided ahead of time to parent with the relationship in mind, we knew what our win was, our North Star, our it. We we just decided if we know what we're parenting toward, our decision making can be so much more streamlined. And so we began asking the question in different seasons of parenting, is this good for our relationship? And, you know, every parent is parenting in a direction, whether they realize it or not. Direction determines destination. And you know, often we just, you know, hit the ground running in our parenting and we're just kind of trying to put out fires, you know, and we're just trying to make it through seasons. And honestly, there were days that there were plenty of days I wasn't even thinking about our it or our, you know, our North Star in parenting. I was thinking about, we need to survive this day. We just need to survive this day. And every parent knows what that feels like. So we weren't unique. You know, we were just like everybody else. There were days I thought, if we even make it through this day with everybody living at the end of it, that'll be a win. That will be the win for this day that I've not killed somebody or they haven't killed each other, you know, or whatever. So, but everybody is parenting in a direction. And if we pull back just a little bit, 
And we start evaluating, you know, what direction are we parenting in? Are we parenting toward obedience? Are we parenting toward academics? Are we parenting toward our kids making us proud? Are we parenting toward some sports, you know, kids playing in the NFL one day or being on Broadway one day? We're all parenting in directions. And until we pull back and evaluate in what direction are we parenting, you know, what is our lens that we're making our decisions through? We end up just kind of taking one day at a time and not necessarily parenting in a direction that we've planned on parenting. And we just decided early on, if we're parenting in a relationship direction, if our it is relationships, then that becomes our lens and we make our other decisions. We filter our decision-making through the lens of, is this good for our relationships? And is this going to get us to the end of the journey? And it's not just about us and our relationships with our kids. It's also about their future relationships with their spouses, their kids, their future bosses and employees and just the people in their lives. We wanted to parent our kids in such a way that they knew how to have healthy relationships, including with us. Which is such a worthy goal. And that really practically helps us to love God and love others when we train our children of how to be in relationship. I'm so excited to tell you about our two sponsors for this episode, Solid Rock Christian Academy in Morton, Illinois, and also Chick-fil-A, located in East Peoria, Illinois. Solid Rock Christian Academy is a brand new private grade school and they currently have a kindergarten class for the 2022-23 school year. They are planning to add a grade each year, and they are offering both first grade and kindergarten for fall of 2023. Their goal is to provide their students with a solid biblical education with curriculum that both challenges and meets each student at every learning level. They also believe in offering low technology in their day. They encourage parental involvement through volunteering, and they have a learning environment that teaches students respect, discipline, and real-world life lessons. You might have noticed their remodel this past year at their new location on 4th Street in Morton. For more information on enrollment for your child, or if you have a teaching degree and are interested in applying, or if you're interested in donating to their worthy cause, you can visit their website, solidrockchristianacademy.org. Chick-fil-A East Peoria remains one of our consistent and loyal sponsors. I will limit myself to my four favorite things. First, if you like free food, you've got to download their free app. Simply stated, when you eat more chicken, you get to enjoy more treats. Also, if you've never visited them for breakfast before, you're totally missing out. Served Monday through Saturday from 6.30 until 10.30 a.m., it's full of mouth-watering options and they always have healthy options available, low in calories, high in protein, and unbelievable in taste. If you want to work alongside positive, cheerful, and super inspiring people, you should consider joining their team. Visit cfaeastpeoria.com to fill out an application. There are roles in marketing, hospitality, and administration that you may not think of when you envision Chick-fil-A. So check them out and apply today. Finally, their generosity blows me away. You can follow them on social media to find out more about the tens of thousands of dollars they've given away in college scholarships. Visit them in the Levy District or check them out online at cfaeastpeoria.com. Well, 
Our family lives in the Midwest and we're surrounded by farmland. So I especially appreciated your farming examples as it relates to the family. And I'd love for you to teach us one of the principles. So how does the law of harvest apply to parenting? Yes, that's so funny. So I grew up in middle Georgia and my grandfather was a farmer. So there's just life on a farm is super fun. It's it's different. And now, of course, living in the city, it seems so foreign, so foreign. But we did talk a little bit in the book about the law of the harvest. And just like a farmer can't cram for a crop, you have to plan for a crop. There's a whole lot that has to happen before seeds even go into the ground. And then certainly a whole bunch of things that happen during the process of sowing. And and so good farmers prepare and they plan so they don't miss those main things they have to do. And in parenting, there are four primary sowing seasons, so to speak, or stages. And and we talk a little bit about that. And actually, in the book, really, the whole framework for our parenting was the seasons of parenting. And Andy and I didn't come up with this on our own. We didn't make it up. We learned it from so many different sources and people. But one of the things we realized is we, when we heard about the seasons of parenting, we thought, okay, that's, that sounds important. We didn't realize how important that was at the time as it related to how we would sow so that we could reap at the end of the parenting journey what we were hoping to, to have as a return. So as I think about the seasons of parenting, there are four of them. One is the discipline years. It's those years when like zero to five years old. And these are the years when we're teaching our kids that there are consequences for their actions, for their good, for their safety. We just need them to obey. And in this season, consistency is the key, as we all know, when we're dealing with little bitties. You know, you have to be consistent and you have to be immediate as you're dealing with little things that happen because their memories aren't quite as long if we wait. And then the second season is the training season. And this is some heavy duty parenting. This particular stage is five years old to 12 years old. And these are the years where we really begin putting a why behind the what in our parenting. Our kids are able to reason a little bit now. So we start reasoning with them and explaining the why behind the what. Basically in this season, we're explaining while we're training. And, you know, during that season, we just made everything a game. We practiced everything. We used, took advantage of those years when, you know, during, during the childhood seasons, everything is fun and nothing is dumb. But when they get to be teenagers, everything is dumb and nothing is fun. And so, you know, during those training years, you really want to zero in on as much of that training as you can do and kind of making it fun. And then the coaching years were 12 to 18. And these are those kind of treacherous, that treacherous season where parents are like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you know, I'm so scared of the teenage years and, and understandably in some cases, but, um, this is the season where we're standing on the sidelines a little bit more. We're kind of coaching them while they're learning to make independent decisions. And, you know, like a coach, there are times when we're going to have to yank our kids off the field which is super fun. They always have a great attitude about that. But letting them experience natural consequences during the coaching season is a much better teacher than just doing the quick thing, like taking a phone away or taking car keys away or something. Letting them experience some natural consequences is huge because they're we're getting them ready to be outside of our home when we're not there to deal with things. And so we want to um, let them experience all of that. And for parents in this season, We really are focusing more on connection 
over correction. You know, we're doing a lot of correcting in the earlier season and we're still doing some correcting in the coaching years, but we're really focusing on connection over correction. And then the friendship years, this is where the law of the harvest comes in 18 and on. This is where we are now with our kids. And, you know, one of the ways I say it is if we didn't know our kids and we met them, we would want to be friends with them. And that was the bullseye on the target. And certainly we had days that were not pretty, like I said before, not pretty. Our kids, you know, were just like everybody else's kids as far as fighting and, you know, not getting along with each other. But in this season, watching them as adults is so amazing. We are watching our kids choose each other and want to be together when they don't have to be. And honestly, Laura, I think that this is a reflection of the way our Heavenly Father views us and our relationships with each other. Because it's hard for me to even explain, but in this season of life, and even in earlier seasons, watching our kids love each other, choose each other, be kind to each other. There's just a joy that shoots straight into our hearts that is like no other joy. And I really think it's a reflection of our Heavenly Father's heart and His us being made in His image. Because if we take a walk through the Gospels and watch Jesus and, and all the things that He modeled for us, He was so relational. And he so wanted us to focus on loving our heavenly father and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And I just think that's his father heart. We're his children. And when he sees us treating each other well, loving each other, sacrificing for each other, it gives him a joy. And I think ours with our kids mirrors that in these friendship years. And that's, you know, that's the law of the harvest. You want the harvest on the other end of all the hard work of parenting. Goodness, that is so encouraging. And it makes me think of what a mentor told Mark and me a long time ago. He just said, you never reap what you sow in the same season. And that's right. I love even some of your quotes where you're talking about this law of harvest and how it applies to parenting. And you say, you can't cram for a crop, you plan for a crop. And that's right. You've given us these seasons to sow, but Sandra, I just think you and Andy were so countercultural in the way that you did pull back to remove yourselves from the everyday. And these vision conversations just seem to be a catalyst for so much more. Were there certain rhythms you had in place, like date nights, to process these ideas, or did they more so organically come up? You know, I think it was a little more organic. We we had date nights, certainly. And um, and that's another thing that when you're parenting with the stages of parenting in mind, you recognize that this stage is going to end and another one is going to start. And so it's not as discouraging when you think, oh, we're in a season where we're not able, you know, if you can't find a babysitter when your kids are little, you're just going to be home, whether you want to be out on a date night or not. And so recognizing that we're, you know, moving through these seasons of life is very encouraging. But one of the things that I remember we did as soon as our kids were old enough to just leave them at home for a few minutes, you know, or for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, we would get in our car and we would go drive through a Starbucks and get our, you know, whatever we wanted to just sip on. And we would just drive around and talk and process. And that was kind of our, 
you know, during that particular season, that was sort of our getaway and, and, you know, okay, what are some things we're dealing with right now? What are our best approaches for dealing with this particular thing with this particular child? And it wasn't always about that. Sometimes it was just, Hey, let's just drive around and drink our coffee and be quiet. (laughs) You know, it's just whatever the moment calls for. But, but, um, we were constant processors and love to process with each other. So we tried to find those snatches of time here and there, regardless of season where we could do that. But, um, keeping the marriage relation. We even have a, a chapter toward the end of the book on marriage because it's just so important to prioritize marriage. You were a family before you ever had your first child and you will be a family much longer after your kids have launched out of your home. So staying focused on keeping our marriages healthy and keeping our marriages a priority, even in the heavy duty seasons of parenting was huge. One of the things we did in that vein was we made it a priority every year to get out of town without our kids for at least two nights. And that was a time to really process too, process whatever ministry things we were going through, whatever parenting things we were going through. That was, that was just kind of a non-negotiable for us during every season of parenting. Well, it sounds like just a common thread throughout your parenting is that the two of you really prioritized communication. And I'm gathering that's where a lot of these ideas came from. And you can see how well that serves the family and benefits others. If you've benefited in any way from the Savvy Sauce, we would love to invite you to become a patron. If every listener gave just $1 per month, it would completely offset all our production costs. We want to keep majority of our content free to the public. And one way to do that is with your help. Please consider joining Patreon today and finding out what perks you can receive for pledging two, five, or even $20 per month. Will you share your family's personal keystone habits that you chose to set in place rather than just creating a long list of rules? Yes. You know, this was so funny because I I think our natural tendency, it feels intuitive to have rules for everything. And Andy grew up in a home where there was just a very high level of trust and they just didn't have very many rules. In fact, he went home on weekend nights because all of his friends had to go home. So his parents were, they just didn't have a whole lot of rules. And so that was something for us to process because I grew up in a household with a Lieutenant Colonel, Marine Corps dad, Eagle Scout, you know, everything is planned. Everything is kind of laid out, which, you know, dad was super flexible, appropriately well, super strong. Dad was flexible appropriately, but we just had, you know, there were just a few more things in our home. So I had to process that with Andy. But one of the things he decided was we're going to have two main rules. And it doesn't mean we didn't have other things that are that were required of our kids, but our two main rules that we talked about in our home were number one, respect mom, honor mom, honor mom, which I loved. I thought, oh, nice first rule. I like that one. <laughs> and then the second one was don't tell a lie. And there were reasons behind both of those. And if you think about it, we, you know, we read some years ago, Charles Duhigg's book on keystone habits. And if you think about the idea of something that's keystone, it it really applies to rules too. honor mom was a keystone rule because when kids honor their mom, they're just naturally going to be some other honorings that flow from that. When we teach our kids to don't tell lies. There's naturally going to be some things, some other things that flow from that. And those two things we felt like covered 
a lot of parenting issues that would come up by Andy requiring that our kids honor me. They were naturally going to honor him. And it opened the conversation for us to have conversations about honoring and what it looks like to honor other people, what it looks like to honor a friend, what it looks like to honor a teacher, to honor authority, all of those things. And then as it relates to telling the truth and not lying, we talked with our kids about the fact that lies break relationships. When we don't help our kids early understand the devastating impact of lying, our later seasons of parenting are going to be really, really difficult. And it's not that our kids don't still lie some, you know, here and there when they're older, but they really do. If we can help them understand early that lying breaks relationships. So those were two things in our home that became keystone rules or sort of like keystone habits that just trickled down into other things and allowed us to open some conversations and talk about the broader area of it. I'll tell you a quick story. And this is, this story is actually in the book because I think it was Andy's finest parenting moment. And it related to honoring mom. One of our boys was super disrespectful to me one day when he was a teenager, he was, he had a driver's license and decided, you know, somewhere that he was going to go. And I told him he couldn't go. And anyway, just kind of turned into a whole thing. And he was very disrespectful. So when Andy, you know, got the whole story, he sat down with our son and he said, Hey, wow, I didn't see this coming. And so I'm going to need some time to kind of think through, you know, what, what we're going to do about it. And of course this son is sweating bullets because he knew I broke like one of the two main rules in our family. (laughs) So He's sweating. Andy just takes his time and draws it out on purpose, you know, to let him sweat a couple days. And so, and you can do that in these older seasons of parenting and those younger ones. Again, you've got to be consistent. You got to be quick, but when they're older, it really mirrors real life better to take your time. You know, if you speed and you get a speeding ticket, your, you know, your court date isn't for like three months away, you know, and things that are even more severe than that you know, court dates can drag out long, longer than that. And so real life is you don't necessarily experience your consequences immediately. So Andy let it drag out. And finally he sat our son down and he said, Hey, what I want you to do is ask your mom out on a date, take her to a nice restaurant, apologize, restore the relationship and tell her how much you hope that she'll forgive you. And so sure enough, I really feel like his initial response was like, dad, please just take my truck, you know, take the keys, take my phone, you know, don't make me do that. Cause it's, you know, he's just normal guy, normal guy, son. So sure enough, he comes up and he says, Hey mom, can I take you out to dinner tonight? And I said, sure. And so we get in his car He takes me to an Italian restaurant. We're sitting there dipping our bread. I can remember it so vividly, Laura. We're dipping our bread. We're talking. And he looks at me in the eye because that was one big deal thing we taught our kids and our family. You look people in the eye when you're admitting to something that you've done, when you're apologizing. He looked me in the eye and he said, Mom, I am so sorry that I was so disrespectful to you. I just, there's no excuse for it. And I'm so sorry. And I hope you can forgive me. And I was like, no. I'm mad. So we're just, you, you know, you know, I did not say that I had forgiven him the moment it happened. You know, our children are our heart. And so it really wasn't a matter of me forgiving him or not. I was a puddle in that booth that we were sitting in looking at this 17 year old, big brown eyed boy apologizing 
deeply from his heart. And it was, it was a sweet moment, one that I'll never forget. And that right there, Laura, is what we really, what Andy and I want to communicate in this book more than anything else. We want our kids when we're parenting with the relationship in mind, we want our kids to understand how you restore a relationship, how you apologize appropriately. We're constantly going to have issues with people in our lives. And we need to understand, and we want our kids to understand, how do you restore a relationship? And if restitution is required, how do you do that? What does that look like? And so these were opportunities to teach our kids that because Life is relationships, and this is a big, big deal for them to understand how to restore relationships. That beautifully encapsulates what you're talking about, just parenting with the relationship in mind. And you had so many other brilliant one-liners and ideas that I'm just going to ask you to expound upon a few of these. One of the ideas that you write about is that the way we experience our relationship with our children or the relationship that we're in with our children is different from the relationship they're in with us. So can you tell us more? Yes. Yes. Well, you know, one of the ways this manifests itself is with our words. When we think about our words, I I know for me as a mom, the thing I probably had to apologize most about with our kids was when I was impatient with my words or angry with my words, or I was having to apologize to kids a lot for that. And when we can pause and recognize that our relationship with our kids is different than their relationship with us, that's, that's a not, again, a non-intuitive thing until we start thinking about our own relationships with our parents. When we recognize that our parents love us the way we love our kids, it just kind of blows our minds a little bit. And I have this vivid memory of my dad. He had come to Atlanta. Andrew was little. And this is just sort of an illustration of of the power of the parent relationship and the idea that it's a little bit different than the relationship that our kids have with us. My dad had come to Atlanta for something. Andrew was little. He was in a high chair, still in the season of eating mush, you know, the mushy food. So dad had spent the night because he had a meeting. So he comes downstairs, he's drinking his coffee, he's watching me feed Andrew. And just out of the blue, he said, Sandra, you're a really good mom. And, you know, that little short handful of words, I mean, plenty of people had told me I was being a good mom. It was my dad's words and my dad's words weighed a thousand pounds. I remember just like with the restaurant in Garrett, I remember where I was sitting. I remember the high chair. I remember what Andrew was wearing. I remember where my dad was in the room. It was a comment that went so deep in my heart and I've never forgotten it. And it was not because of what he said. It was because of who he is and my relationship with my dad is so deep and so big. I think it's important for us to realize that our words weigh a thousand pounds with our kids and our relationship with our kids is so different. Even in the seasons where they want to pretend like they don't care at all, they do. And our words go so deep. I mentioned Andy and I've been in small group and, you know, anytime we start a new small group, you've got couples, you know, all sitting around in a room or singles. We've had some singles in our single parents in our in our groups before or two, but we're all sitting around and everybody kind of shares their story. And as they're sharing their life story, it's amazing to me how consistently the first 18 years of their life 
is such an enormous part of their story, even when they're 50 years old. And our parents' relationship with us is so powerful. It imprints us for the rest of our lives. And and that's why there's a lot at stake. And that's why Andy and I so badly wanted to to get it right and, and understand what our bullseye on the target was in parent with the relationship in mind. But to your point, our relationship with our kids is different than their relationship with us. When they say mean things to us, it doesn't go nearly as deeply as when we say something to our kids that might be a regretful thing. So it just goes so deeply. And that kind of goes in line with something you write on page 86. Simply you say, later is longer later is longer. That's exactly right. And that's why the seasons of parenting is so important too. the stages of parenting. You know, those 18 years, we do a lot during those 18 years, but potentially our relationships with our kids go far longer than 18 years after our parenting later is longer. And, you know, the day will come when we're no longer responsible for disciplining our kids, for training our kids, for coaching our kids. And in those early seasons, Laura, you, you know, this in the early season, you feel like, this is endless. This is never going to end. And it does, you know, you're changing diapers, you're wiping mouths and bottoms and trying to keep everybody clean and healthy and safe and alive. And it just, I remember calling my mom one time and going, mom, this is the most relentless thing I've ever done. I love these little people, but oh my word, I'm so tired. And she said, Sandra, this is just a season. This is just a season. You're going to get to the other side of it. And you may have some different things you're dealing with on the other side of it, but this is just a season. Later is so much longer. Also, if you discipline with behavior modification in mind or NFL in mind or, you know, Broadway in mind for the futures of your kids, if you parent with a different it besides having the relationship in mind, we get to the season later where we might have kids who behave really well, but they don't necessarily want to be around us anymore. And that's when the whole later is longer thing becomes kind of devastating because you want a relationship with your kids ongoing way after you launch them out of your home. Well, I'll limit myself to just one more quote where you say, there is a cumulative value to little deposits of things made consistently over a long period of time. So I would love for you just to kind of vision cast what return on investment might we all experience if we embrace this truth. Well, it's so true. And we all know this. We know it as it relates to investments of any kind. There's cumulative value to small deposits of time made consistently over a long period of time. And if we are parenting with the relationship in mind, it is so important for us to understand the cumulative value of consistency. And there were several specific. I'll give you just a couple of examples of where we saw this play out. One of them for us was dinner time. We felt like dinner around the table, even though, you know, this may be, it may be 10 minutes, you know, when they're little and you're just trying to shovel the food in and get everybody (laughs) into the bathtub, or it may be later when you're actually lingering around the dinner table a little bit longer, but we made dinner time a non-negotiable in our family during the discipline years and the training years, particularly. Because this was just where we could all be sitting eye to eye, having bantering back and forth conversations, laughing at stuff, having teachable moments that we don't have to manufacture. They just happen in those times when you're having conversations about things that have happened in each other's day and, you know, something that happened at school or something that happened with a friend or something that Andy, you know, saw 
in his office that day, a family that came in or, you know, just sharing things. Those teachable moments are so non-manufactured when you're sitting around the dinner table. That got a little bit more difficult as our kids got older because they had jobs and they had sports and they had all kinds of things. And so even in those seasons, we understood that these little deposits of time are a big deal and are going to be important for us later. So the beginning of a week, I would kind of look at the family calendar, what everybody's schedules were, and I would text our kids and I'd say, hey, this week we're going to do dinner on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. And we can do it early so y'all can get to what you need to do. Or we can do it late, you know, when you get back from basketball practice or whatever is happening. But these are our non-negotiables. And if you need to do something after that, plan it for after or plan it for before non-negotiables. So it didn't always work perfectly. Again, you know, this is real life and real parenting, but those were non-negotiables for us. And we felt like these little cumulative deposits of time accrue and they are very much a part of getting to the end of that parenting journey, that relationship in mind kind of decision. And there are other things like that, but that was a big one for us. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we don't miss, whether that's related to cultivating faith in their lives or any other parenting tips? There's there's so much to that. You know, one of the things that Andy and I wanted more than anything else was for our kids to own their faith, for their faith not to be something that rests on tradition or mom and dad's thing or even this is just what we do. We wanted our kids to own their faith and we wanted their relationship with their Heavenly Father to be so deep and so real that it impacts every area of their lives. And often in our parenting, especially with honor, as we talked about honoring others, we tied that so tightly to our relationship with our Heavenly Father that this is what Jesus modeled for us throughout the scriptures, throughout the gospels. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote about over and over and over in his letters. And owning their faith was a big, big part of our parenting journey. And that's another one of those things that was small deposits of time over a long period of time, having a big payoff. Our prayer time with our kids, even when they were teenagers at night, was just something that we did our best not to miss because we felt like these are opportunities to pray with our kids, to surface hard things that have been happening and to talk through it. You know, one of the prayers we prayed with our kids all the time, and I can kind of end with this, Laura, is we occasionally would take Proverbs, different Proverbs, and we would turn them into prayers. But one of our things that we prayed from the time they could speak till they were in high school was, God, would you give us the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do what's right, no matter what people think? God, would you give us the wisdom to know what's right? Would you give us the courage to do what's right, no matter what people think? And that no matter what people think became more and more important as they got older. And again, our kids were not perfect. There were plenty of times they did not choose the wise thing or the right thing, just like we haven't. But it just gave us a little bit of a framework for celebrating things with our kids when they did make the hard decision and for having a platform for a conversation when they didn't. And that was a big piece of them owning their faith. Oh, that's such a great prayer and something that we can replicate in our own homes. And Sandra, there's so much more goodness to share. So where would you like to direct us all to learn more about this topic after our chat today? The book will launch in January, I think. January 17th, something like that. And there's going to be some great video content that comes along with it. So for people who are in small groups or who might want to gather some other parents in their season, it would be hopefully a really fun 
a really fun thing to do with groups. Um, and again, small groups, we are fans. That was our life preserver <laughs> during the parenting years, especially. So I would say Amazon's going to have it. North Point Ministries and our resources um, area will have it. So hopefully come January, everything will be available. Wonderful. We will add that to the show notes for today's episode so people have easy links for access. And you may know that our podcast is called The Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. So as my final question for you today, what is your savvy sauce? Well, this may sound a little cliche coming from a person in ministering, pastor's wife and all that. But my time alone daily with my heavenly father is the most important thing for me personally. And I'm a, I can be a morning person. So it, it comes a little naturally for me to do this in the morning. But part of my regular rhythm of my every day is my time alone with my heavenly father. And when I go any amount of time without doing that, I feel it, Laura, in every area of my life. I'm so dependent on him in that morning time. So cliche as it might sound, it's my time alone with my heavenly father in the morning. And that looked different in different seasons of parenting. There were times that, you know, kids would walk in and, you know, it would be over. But in this season, especially, I just love being able to get in my chair with my coffee and my blanket, my Bible and start my day that way. I love it. And Sandra, if I can just gush on you for a moment, you have had such a profound impact on my life without even realizing it. And in part because of your faithful obedience to God in helping launch North Point, one of your satellite campuses became my first church home after I became a Jesus follower, and I was even baptized there. And my husband, Mark, and I have listened to your parenting messages. I've read your book, and I never thought I would actually get the chance to chat with you on this oh, side of heaven. You're so sweet. You're so <laughs> kind. Thank you. I have loved our conversation, Laura. And hopefully one day we'll get to meet in person. I would love that. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. Sure. Thank you. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death, and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. 
I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.